Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Are we live? Oh my gosh, we're back. It's episode three of The Future Belongs to Creators. We're going to get an intro segment at some point. I, you know, I was talking to a podcast producer today that we might work with, and uh, I was realizing if we just kind of jump right in with like just oh, yeah, me talking or you talking. Anyways, uh, this is our daily live show for the duration of quarantine. And we're here to kind of be that stable, steady voice in your life, encouraging you to turn anxiety and fear into uh, creative output. Let's kick off with our typical red, yellow, green. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm actually green today. So I spent some time last night creating. I worked at my tiny house until like 11 o'clock last night. After getting the kids to bed, had a nice like 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. window. I got countertops in. Well, it has two countertops. I got one of them in. So uh, it's pretty exciting. It's fun to see it come together. This might be done in like three weeks. Maybe. It's possible. Then what are you going to do? Start some other ridiculous hobby. (laughs) My wife is going to be like, what is wrong with you? But yep. uh, So things are going good. I'm feeling, feeling pretty good today. We had a fun team call. I don't know. Fun is the wrong word, but we had like a, maybe a cathartic connecting team call of not trying to tackle anything in the business, but just hearing updates from around the world of where people are at. You know, we've got team members uh, in Poland, uh, someone who from Austin who is visiting New York city and now he lives there uh, or stranded there. And then we've got, you know, all over Spain in total quarantine where you can only leave the house to go get groceries. Um, so it's just interesting. And it was great to hear people's stories from, you know, what their day-to-day experience is and uh, how life is and just kind of connect on that human level. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm feeling pretty green today. I'd say it's like a yellowish green. Our, our uh, VP of customer experience calls it sage, a yellowish <laughs> green sage. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I worked out last night. I got, I work out at this kettlebell gym that I mentioned the owner of yesterday on the episode and um, did a live Zoom workout. I was kind of skeptical at first of being live on a call like that, but it was actually really fun. It was a nice approximation of being in the gym. And so I got a good kind of like mental, physical break from everything. I started putting into place this habit that I'm trying to build of putting my phone away right before or after dinner. I plugged it in my office here. I left it all night and I just set an alarm in my room apart from my phone. And that was amazing. I woke up, I got ready today. I didn't look at anything, didn't consume anything. It was just like calm all the way until I walked the dogs. And so I feel like I'm trying to do the things that set me up for just a better better mindset, more kind of space and distance between me and the news. And that's good. And we're lucky, you know, normally this is still a very rainy time of year in Portland. It's kind of hit or miss. We've just had blue skies on blue skies. And so that's really helping with the mood uh, around here for sure. Um, so I'm doing all right. You know, we're making it through. Well, that's good to hear. I'd love to get a kind of a sound off in the chat from everyone tuning in. Like feel free to drop in with a red, yellow, green, and, and not just the, you know, the color, but share a little bit of why kind of what's going on in your life and, and all of that. Um, I think 
can we dive into our topic for the day? Well, uh, hold on. We got to do our obligatory check-in on, on, <laughs> on numbers. Uh, I yeah. checked the numbers this morning after I got my phone, I was, I was like ready to work and, um, this is expected. However, it was a bit jarring seeing how many new cases there were. And so here's the thing to, to know, or here's how I'm thinking about this until our testing capacity meets demand, we are going to see an abnormally large number of new cases that directly corresponds to the increase in testing capacity. And so it's not different than what was true the day before. The thing that's different is how many tests we were running. And so a lot of this early curve is going to look crazy big as testing capacity comes online. And then we should see it. It'll still grow for sure, without a doubt, yeah. but it won't grow quite as fast because it won't be tied to how many tests we're running. It'll be truly tied to how many cases are happening. Yeah. So anyways, that's what I'm thinking about right now and why I'm kind of just like keeping my cool, knowing this is exactly what we should expect. And a couple of weeks from now, as testing ramps up, we should have a better better view on what's actually going on. Yeah, the one piece of news that I saw that is really encouraging is South Korea has continued to keep daily new cases really low. So I think they're, today was the fourth day, or yesterday was the fourth day in a row of under 100 new cases. And so their active cases are actually declining. So I don't think we have the response on the level of South Korea, but it shows that if you had everything together and you were on top of things, it could be done. Yes. And China, similarly, it was either yesterday or the day before, had their first day of zero new cases in Wuhan, which is incredible. So we know that despite what's going on in New York and LA and, or not LA, sorry, New York, Seattle, Seattle. and then, you know, the California coast that we've got, uh, We've got some hope. We've got some tactics that we know can work and, and we're getting there. So, okay. Obligatory check-in over. Let's get into our topic of the day, which is how to be productive. Hey, from home. turns out everyone's working from home right now. Uh, yes. Pretty much everyone, unless you are one of those vital few who are out there in the field on the front lines, either keeping the power on or keeping the water running or providing um, healthcare. So Shout out to all those people. But for a lot of us in the creative industries, we're at home right now. And that creates all kinds of crazy dynamics. You know, I've been trying to get away from using the word crazy. Someone called this out on uh, Twitter the other day that it's a little bit ableist to talk about the times as insane or crazy. And so I'm going to call myself out on that and say it can be challenging at home to transition, especially if you normally have an office and now you're working from home. And so we thought we'd get into today, some of our best tips for working from home, because we've been doing it for years now. Yep. And there are good days and there are bad days still, but I think we have some things to share that will be helpful. Yeah. So we kind of broke this out into five categories. Um, the first one that we want to dive into is work-life boundaries. Cause I think that's the first thing and it, it comes both ways, but you know, the first thing you get excited about when working from home is like you sit down at your desk and your computer that first day and you're like, whoa, that commute was awesome. Like, you know, it's down the hall. It's just out to the, you know, the kitchen island or or whatever else. And then you realize that, that upside has a lot of downsides as well. And so when you think about those boundaries, it's really important to establish those with people that you are sharing that space with. Actually, one of the funniest things for our team call today that people were sharing is they're like, look, my kids are home from school. I can deal with that. I've had to deal with that at other times. Um, and these are people who have worked remotely for years. But now their spouse or the significant other is working from home. And they're all like, uh-uh, this is not, like, not going to work. I am working now. Don't bother me. Or for example, uh, 
uh, one of our team members shared that like when she goes out to sit on the balcony to get some work done out in the sun, like that does not mean come join her and hang out. It means like, I need some space by myself. You go work wherever you're going to work. So it's kind of funny if people say like, actually, it's not the kids that are the problem. It's my spouse. Yes, totally. And when you're both trying to work, then it's even more like my, my wife's upstairs right now. I can hear her in the background a little bit. She's on a work call. And um, fun story is that we moved to New York for, I don't know, six or seven months in 2018. Wow, it's been been a while now. That's crazy. It has been. That's wild. Um, and so we were in an 800-something square foot apartment, which for New York is, is pretty sizable, actually. It was really nice space. And we would sit at our dining room table, nice dining room table. We love it very much. And both be working and both be on calls. And whew, there's not a lot that will make you want to get away from your spouse at the end of the day, quite like sitting next to them all day while they're on calls. And we both felt that way. So anyways, I think it's really important to think about how do you, when we talk about boundaries, how do you separate work from life when your life is right out the door or even there might not even be a door between you and your life. The first tip that I have is communication is really important. And we've got a communication section later, but in the context of your family, communication is really important. And so like right now on my office door right here, I've got this nice little, it's designed to be an office space in our house, which is one of the things we look for when we, we bought a place. But on my door, there's a sign in red marker that says recording live because I need them to know like sometimes it's okay if I'm on a meeting and you come in, you peek your head in right now, not okay. I need you not to come in right now. And ahead of time, I let them know every day at noon, I'm going to be recording 30 minutes. I just need you to keep the dogs away, keep everything quiet and kind of help me out here. But that represents a principle, I think, for setting boundaries, which is communicating with your spouse, uh, with in my case, with my in-laws, and just making sure that everyone understands what's going on and when challenge comes in when you have little kids, which you can probably speak to Nathan. So I'd love to hear kind of how you set boundaries with your kids in a way that doesn't make them feel rejected or like they can't hang out with dad, but, but also they don't interrupt you constantly. Yeah. It just comes down to those expectations. So I love that idea of the sign. I'm currently, we have a little guest house on our property. And so that's where my office is now. Um, once we had a baby, I moved out of the main house and I'm over here while waiting to complete my tiny house. And so I definitely have a lot more distance, which is nice. And if you can get that separation, um, that's really good because I have to commute across the backyard, which is perfect. But you know, beforehand, when I would be recording, I would go out and set that expectation of you know go out, say hi, uh, play a quick game of cards with the kids, or, or kick the soccer ball around outside, and say, okay, I'm going to go record now for the next hour. And because if it's my own podcast, I don't care quite as much. Like I'm not going to do the you know I always think of that video of the, the kid coming in and the guy who's on like CNN or whatever, and he's not like refuses to acknowledge it. And the babysitter comes in, like, you don't need to do that. You know, just when the, the background noise comes in on the podcast or anything else, you just say like, Oh yeah, those are my kids. And my kids are so shy that if they were interrupting, I'd be like, Hey, come here, come. And they'd be like, no. And they would just leave, <laughs> you know, but um, you just set that expectation of like, Hey, for this period of time, I'm going to be working and all of that. And it goes the same with coordinating with your spouse of like, you know, I'm going to be doing focus time from this time period to that time period. And honestly, that helps me with accountability. Sometimes I'll use Hillary for accountability in this way of like, okay, lunch together was really fun. Glad we did that. 
Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to be focused on for the next two hours. And when I see you again, I will have accomplished this one thing, which is like not that hard of a thing to accomplish, but I know myself, like I'm not that likely, you know, most likely it'd be when I see you again, I will have, I will be up to date on all the stats, on all the social media, on everything. And I will have looked at that for 10 minutes. Totally. Uh, and I will be yeah. irritated when you ask me if I'm still working because of course I'm still working. I, I, this is important <laughs> work. But what I'm actually saying is I'm not super clear on what I need to do. I'm just clear that I, there is still things to do. Please go away. And so I love that because one of the things that's been really important for me is setting the kind of bookends to the day. I start at this time, I end at this time. And there will be days where that's not true. And I will try and let you know when that's not going to be true. But generally speaking, I'm going to try and start work at eight and end work at four. I'm going to work out for an hour and then I'm yours. But sometimes when I get towards the end of the day, I know in my head, there's still a to-do list, but I haven't put it down anywhere. And so I'm not quite sure what the next task is. This will get a little bit into our next kind of category of work habits and process. But knowing what the tasks are that I'm actually trying to get done helps me work so much less than I otherwise would. Because otherwise, it's so easy for me to sit here, be plugged into Slack, be plugged into Basecamp, be plugged into all of our different communication tools and just channel through everything. There's always more of something I can fill time with. But if I'm really specific about what I'm trying to get done and how long that should take, like you're saying, it's so much easier to say, okay, I'm going to be done at this time. And then I will be ready to chat with you and talk about our days and everything else. But until then, I'm tuned in. Yeah. And that's like the thing that helps me the most with that process is sitting down. Um, I actually, I don't always do this, but my most productive days are when the night before, when I wrapped up for the day, I said, tomorrow I'm going to do this. And then the first thing that I check is that to-do list and pick one thing off the to-do list and tackle it and then dive into Slack and everything else. A couple other, since we're on the work habits and and that process thing, I just keep my computer in do not disturb all the time. That has burned me a couple of times where I've totally missed a meeting, but that's the trade-off that I'm willing to make to get the productivity. What other habits and process things for you? Um, One thing that I started doing with our time, it's really easy for it to just get booked by everyone. And that makes sense because we have a lot of people to support. And and I think we both take the view of like, our job is to serve everyone else and then find time outside of that to get work done. But we also do have to sell, set boundaries and uh, help people understand we do still need space to actually perform. We, we think of ourselves not just as managers, but as creators within the company as well. And that requires focused work time. So one of the things I started doing was Every morning, I know that I want my mornings to be focused work time. I added a block that says um, focused work time. And it's not that I won't book something during that time. It's just that I, if I'm going to, I want to consciously decide that that is the work that I'm choosing to do for that day. I have a meeting with someone to go over a project that's going to drive that forward, or they have a obstacle that's in their way that I can help them remove. And so instead of it just being, well, my calendar is completely free, which is something the duo at Basecamp talks a lot about the, whatever they call it, the tyranny of the calendar. I have a block and I'm consciously choosing to book that time if I do it. So that's been a really helpful habit for me is kind of setting that intention and having it um, laid out there. Yeah. And that goes into the next thing of scheduling. And that's something that I found that really messes up my day is if I have an hour open, a 30 minute call, an hour open, a 30 minute call, 20 minutes open, you know, and breaking it up like that. And when you're trying to coordinate calendars with 
you know, four or five people for a call, then that's what's going to happen because, ah, this is the time that's available on everybody's calendar. Nobody has to move anything. And it's kind of inconvenient for everybody. But when you have those focused work times blocked off, like we uh, have, we both have Tuesdays as focused work days um, where we try to have, I've actually had a lot of days where I have no meetings, which I'm pretty proud of that with 50 people in the company that we pull that off a lot of the time. But it really condenses down those meetings so I can have this block of 20 or 30 minutes or, or like a bunch of meetings, say two hours of meetings, 20 or 30 minutes at a time. And then I can have this big block of two or three hours. Yep. Related to that, my Wednesdays are the opposite. So I, I schedule all of my one-on-one meetings with my direct reports. And, um, and so that won't be relatable for a lot of creators. But I think if you have anyone you work with, contractors, team, I highly suggest regularly talking with them in a one-on-one setting. And I like structuring a day. Wednesdays are long every time. I, if you follow me on Instagram yesterday, I posted a story saying that this, this week has felt like it's been a year long so far. And part of that was Wednesday was long. It's a lot of meetings. But it means that most other days of the week, I have a, a lot lighter of a load. And the core meeting work has been done in one day. And so that's been a really helpful habit as well. That makes me think of um, Jack Dorsey being CEO of both Square and Twitter. He had dedicated days for each company. And I remember what it was. It was basically like Monday and Wednesday is Twitter and Tuesday and Thursday is Square and Friday. I don't know what Friday was, but he had it blocked off in that kind of thing so he could fully step into it. And so as a freelancer, as a creator or whatever else, you could say, okay, Monday is all about business. And so I'm going to spend the morning on like business, logistics, invoicing, all of that. And I'm going to spend the afternoon on like social media, connecting with the community, all of those other things. Tuesday is when I get down and I actually create. So like the living room's taken over with the video studio stuff, like the lights are set up and everything. I'm going to knock out four or five videos. I'm going to get ahead on my podcast queue. I'm going to going to go to the coffee shop and write, you know, whatever it is. Tuesday is all about creating. And then Wednesday might be about packaging and editing and and taking that raw creative output and getting it into a format that's ready to be shared. And then, you know, somewhere in there, you'd schedule in time where you're just all about promotion. Okay. Where could you be getting guest posts out? Where could you be doing more of these things? Um, If you're trying to appear on other podcasts, trying to have a block of time where if possible, a lot of podcasts you want to be on won't necessarily accommodate this, but like if possible, well, for me, when I was in the house, our kids go to school uh, halftime. So Mondays and Wednesdays, they're gone from the house. So those are the quiet times. And I would try to have a block of podcasts that I was recording at those times. And so if you have that kind of schedule where you know how you're going to keep track of everything, it can make a huge difference. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things I'm realizing as we're talking about this, which is the joy of podcasting is that my work habits are deeply tied to my calendar. I mean, obviously they have to be tied to time somehow. And so if you can put that in your calendar, that's great. And this ties into James Clear's work, who you mentioned on um, episode one, that habits, goals are fine. They're an outcome as a result of habits though. And that's the thing you have to realize is that you can have a thing you're shooting for at the end, but you only have control over your inputs. And so the habits you develop are the things that will lead or not lead to the outcome, but you can only focus on the habit version. And so what I love about this is if you block your time to reflect the habits that you think will lead to the goal, then it helps you be in a place where you're at least spending your time in the best way you know how to try and get the outcome that you want. Yep, exactly. Kelly dropped something in the comments that I want to touch on 
saying, how do you handle working overtime? My manager will give me last minute tasks that interfere with my goal of ending the day at 4 p.m. as an example. And that there's two sides of this. One is everything you can do that's within your control of like scheduling that out, setting those expectations. The other is like a cultural thing overall in the company. And that's a challenging thing. We've worked hard to build our culture so that we are clearly setting expectations. And you can even come back in that in that case and say, I'm trying to think how I would phrase this. But if you have this habit or this consistency of always delivering as a team member, so let's assume that you're in that place where you're really trusted. Then you can come back and say, hey, I just want to check on the timeline for this because I can absolutely get this done. My current estimate is just that it would mean working till 7 p.m. tonight. And if that is the priority, then like, yep, I'll get it done. And I think a lot of people, if they're somewhat of a self-aware manager, they'll go, oh, okay, sorry, that's actually not worth working till 7 p.m. tonight. And they'll go, the priority is this. They'll set that clarity. So you can ask that clarifying question. Now, there will be those people who are like, yeah, everything's urgent. It's always urgent. And that's harder to deal with. But I think most quality managers will catch what they're doing when you ask that in that qu- or ask that question in that way. And they'll either say, yes, that is important. And you'll have this rare case of putting in a bunch of extra time. And you and I have that a lot. We realize, oh, here's this thing that we want to happen. And we're not going to do it every day or hopefully not even every week, but we're not opposed to putting in a bunch of time to make something ship on time. Um, we're just very deliberate making sure that the value matches that. Yeah. My direct advice is not in the current environment, maybe because jobs are at a premium right now, uh, especially, but uh, get yourself a manager who doesn't do that to you all the time. Um, And sometimes that means changing jobs or changing roles. But uh, I think good management knows when to push and they know that that should be the exception to the rule, not the thing they're doing every day. So that would be my thing there. Two quick tips on process and habits from a work standpoint. One, I want to highlight the one you said earlier, which is making your list of things. I like to have three, but I really like to put the first one first and know that if all I got done was the first one on a given day, then in a year, you know, you have 200 working days or something, 200 and something working days, 250, maybe I think it is. And you will get 250 projects done. If every day, you know, the one thing that you need to do, and that's a lot more progress than most people make in a year. It might not feel like a lot you're only doing one thing a day, but if that's all you did, that would be really successful. And especially during a time like this, where there's a lot of stress and anxiety, I would recommend it. And if you can get to all three, that's incredible. That's been an amazing day. You should be really proud of that. So that's the first tip. The second one is removing distraction. It is so easy for me to, uh, be on Twitter, be in Slack, or there's a million things where I can consume information. Closing those things, closing Slack, closing Basecamp, turning notifications off on my phone and setting a period of time, maybe using the tree app that you recommended yesterday, Nathan, um, is really effective for me. And to enforce it on myself, I'll often put my phone across the room where I can't just reach for it. And I have an app on my computer. It's just kind of like a free you know, whatever. It looks like a pirate symbol app called self-control and you can block apps and websites from even being able to access them just for an amount of time. doesn't matter if you restart your machine, doesn't matter anything. You cannot access the websites for the period of time that you set. And, um, I love it. It's great. So anyways, don't trust yourself to have good habits. 
That's good. Well, one of the last things I want to get into on this is communication. As you're working with others, there's this expectation that everything needs to be handled and answered instantly and that communication should be instant. And I would argue the opposite that nine times out of 10, asynchronous or non-real-time communication is better because it allows you to have better thought out perspectives, uh, allows you to consume other people's information and, and form your own opinion and all of that. So I would just batch that communication. Have those times where after you do an hour of work on that one thing that's really important, then come in and, and say, okay, let's take care of email. Let's catch up on Slack or all of those things. The best keyboard shortcut you could ever have for Slack is Command-Q or what is it, Alt-F4 on Windows? Um, just to close out of it. You don't need that open all the time and then come back even if you only keep it closed for 20 minutes, but just close it and then come back, communicate with everybody, close it again and repeat that process because it's going to make you a much more effective communicator if you're not trying to communicate in these tiny little chunks, but instead really communicating in a thoughtful way when you can consume it all. Yeah, and and I think agreeing to that explicitly is a great way to go. Just saying like, hey, my priority is getting my work done first and my secondary priority is being responsive. And so I need you as my manager, my coworker, my partner in the business, whatever, to trust that if I'm not answering, it's either because I'm not working, which I should have told you to begin with, or it's because I got my head down. I'm trying to get something done for us. But task switching is the most costly thing in any organization. It's more costly than any expense on your budget because the more you switch tasks, the less you get done. And the less you get done, the less progress your business can make. And that means the less money you're going to make. So um, avoiding task switching is really important. I think that's got to be our last tip there. Maybe we probably so. had a lot more we could do. But we're running out of time. <laughs> uh, the story of the show. Well, who do you have for uh, a creator that you want to feature today? Yes. Let me get my uh, screen share up here. My creator of the day is Dr. Joy. I found out that Dr. Joy was our customer just the other day when I was scrolling through Twitter, looking at all of ConvertKit's mentions related to the Creator Fund. And she had mentioned us and I was like, oh man, that's really cool. She's like the psychologist in residence for Oprah Magazine. And she's been featured on all these places. And the intersection of psychology and pop culture just sounds like interesting and fun. And uh, the more I looked into her work, the more just like fascinated by her I became. And then the best part was I learned that she's a ConvertKit customer. It's like my favorite part of our jobs. When I find out someone awesome is one of our customers, it just is delightful. So anyways, shout out to Dr. Joy, how you got the role or the, you know, whatever column with Oprah Magazine. I would love to hear that story sometime. So feel free to send it to me. But uh, otherwise, I love your branding. I love your work. I love your, your energy. So thanks for doing what you do. That's awesome. Uh, the creator on our feature today is Jeremy Collins. I don't know. I just came across him on Instagram a long time ago. Uh, he loves the outdoors. He loves art and all of that. I just, I love this line art style illustration that he does. And it's always a bunch of great outdoor stuff. This kind of thing that he does of like showing a photo of what he drew and you get to see the live in person. Uh, that is super cool. Yeah. It's just awesome. He does all sorts of crazy stuff, these huge murals, um, all of that. So anyway, Jeremy Collins on Instagram. Um, and we'll drop a link in the chat as well. 
Love it. Uh, resources of the day. I got to give full credit to Sean Blanc, who he was at least tuned in for the first episode. I don't know if he's around right now, but um, he introduced me to this app called GoodNotes. I got an iPad Pro last year when I was getting my computer, my MacBook fixed, and um, I needed to work from it for a period of time. But this ties into our episode today, actually. It's thematic. And one thing I find is that when I take physical notes while I'm working from home or working remotely, I always regret it. Like I enjoy the process and I enjoy having it in a physical notebook much more than digital. But anytime I need to share those notes with someone else, it's like, ah, dang it. Now I got to transcribe. I got to go back and find it. And so GoodNotes has been the thing that most looks and feels like writing in a notebook. I use my iPad Pro. I use my uh, Apple Pencil. And GoodNotes allows you to write in it and then search the text. And so it's findable. So you can go back and find whatever you want, but you can draw charts, you can draw notes. And then like in Zoom, you can actually screen share from your mobile device if you want to and share those notes, but you still get the experience of writing. So um, anyways, I love it. I've been using it for work notes for any of my meetings. And then also in the community, I do some startup mentoring in town and I use it for all of those meetings as well. So I can look back at it. Uh, Highly recommend it if you enjoy note-taking, but you want an easier way to share those notes digitally. That's awesome. My resource today is a design tool called Figma. Back in the day, if you wanted to get into design, the way to go was to buy Photoshop for like $900. Or if you were like me as a 14-year-old kid, you'd pirate Photoshop. Um, that's how a lot of designers got into uh, into the industry. Now, I guess you could buy a subscription for 50 bucks a month or something like that. But Figma is this new design tool designed for the web. And it's fantastic. I think a lot of people assume that it's difficult to use and so they don't dive into it. And so like, oh, I'm going to stick with Canva or something that's more designed for beginners. And Figma is actually this pro-level tool that is free to use. So you only have to pay when you start collaborating with the team or like setting up a company in it. Um, but I'll screen share just a little bit of, of Figma really quickly. And basically like this is our artwork for the podcast uh, that you can see in there. I can drop in any different vector graphics file, editing text, all of that's really easy, dropping in images. But two of my favorite things about it are that you can collaborate in real time. So um, with other designers in the company, we just pull this up. We use it as kind of a digital whiteboard and dive through everything, work on and brainstorm something. The other thing is that it has this infinite canvas. So as we explore more ideas down here, this is some artwork that we're thinking about and I like this example here in the middle, but then I was like, oh, I want to tweak a little bit of, about it. So I can just duplicate it, pull it down and say, what about this? And the canvas just keeps growing and growing. So I think about you know, all the kids like me, I don't know, 15 years ago getting started and realizing, oh, the pro level tool is totally free and really, really accessible. And so I would check that out. Even if you're just looking for a, like a virtual whiteboard, use Figma for that and you might find yourself actually learning some design in the process. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Design is a method of communication. And uh, in a creative business like yours, it is important. You know, we all know that we are, we're visual beings. Text is a thing we've had to adapt to, but visuals we've always been able to process much more easily. And um, I know for me, my goal this year is to learn a lot more about design so I can be more effective in my work. And Figma's got some great built-in kind of entry-level courses on their website. Uh, if you want to look them up and get started, I think every creator should have the ability to design basic 
assets for their business. You know, you can hire out the big stuff, but some of the small stuff, things like social media graphics, blog post graphics, it's just kind of a superpower to be able to do that yourself. And Figma is a great tool for it. Um, okay, our closing thought comes from actually this. I'm, I'm really bummed because I just got this framed. I've had it for nine years, I think, and it's been a in long a time. tube the whole time. Anyways, I put nice museum glass on it because it's an actual original or not original. It's a high quality print that could be damaged by sunlight. So you can't see the reflection, but it says it's a picture that was tied to a book called Uncertainty by Jonathan Fields. And in that book, he talks about how fear, uncertainty, and doubt can be fuel for brilliance. That's kind of just the moral of the story of the book. And I think that's a really important message for where we are today and what we're going through as a society, especially as a creative society and community. If you can figure out how to channel all of the fear you're feeling, all of the uncertainty about what's to come, all of the doubt about your role that you should be playing right now into creative output, the theme of this show, into, into brilliance, I think you're going to come out of this a lot stronger than you were coming in. And um, I think if you can just ruminate on that some and try and practice it in little ways, one way I'm doing that right now is I've, I've never posted Instagram stories, but I'm just using that as another medium for sharing, another way of having output. And so instead of in those moments of fear, anxiousness, consuming more, creating more instead and making that my default. And so the thought of the day is use fear, uncertainty, and doubt as fuel for brilliance. And I think you'll be in good shape on the other end of this. Thanks for sharing that. Well, that's it for our episode today. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube since that's where everything happens live. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at the same time. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time. Thank you.